world with federally funded schools and universities where one can go to learn about humanity's collective history, where we are supposedly taught about key events of the past, important occasions that have shaped the present, and this perspective pushed by academia is reinforced by movies, television, and the media. Yet there are certain organizations which exist and also teach another version of history, but it's different from what is taught in universities. And this version of history is hardly discussed in Hollywood productions and is left out of the media altogether. In the world of secret societies, the versions of histories taught include esoteric information that, if true, means the conventional history taught to the masses is largely propaganda designed to suit a political agenda rather than being an accurate record of events. In short, a slanted version of the truth. I'm happy to like Robert Suffer. No, no, he does his For own. example, the events and motivation of the Crusades, which were a series of religious wars sanctioned by the church during the medieval period in the Eastern Mediterranean, which recovered the area formerly known as Phoenicia from Islamic rule. This is taught differently from a Christian perspective as it is from a Muslim one. And it has an altogether different version taught in the secret societies in regards to what the true treasure and motivation was from esoteric knowledge to sacred bloodlines, which still play a prominent role until today. Secret societies and mystery schools are not the only places where the mainstream version of events are challenged and alternative versions of history are taught. Sometimes they're passed down through families, which act as custodians of ancient knowledge, which has been ignored or suppressed by the church and state. One such case has been getting attention lately, known as the Bach Saga, made public by the now-deceased Finnish tour guide, Eeyore Bach, who was the last remaining member of his family and felt it was his responsibility to make the history taught to him within his family public knowledge before he passed away in 2010. Eeyore Bach's family saga uses an etymology which he claimed was based on the Swedish and Finnish languages, which in many cases I could not substantiate. The history he presents covers a broad range of topics, starting from before the Pleistocene, in which a global caste system was established, which was disrupted with the onset of the Ice Age. He claims that the origins of the Scandinavian or Caucasian people, which I interpret to be stemming from Cro-Magnon types, was not evolved from apes in sub-Saharan Africa, but rather originated in the Arctic region and diffused down after global cataclysms and rapid climate change. Long ago, according to the legend, modern Helsinki was a prior North Pole and in ages past was called Hell and was a holy site for the ancient pagan religion. The word hell was allegedly vilified by the church, but thousands of years ago was a sacred city, which was also said to contain entrances to subterranean chambers, which were closed off in the year 987 AD. 
as the capital and most populous city in Finland, Helsinki is modernized and considered Finland's only metropolis. After Stockholm and Oslo, Helsinki is the third largest municipality in the Nordic countries. Finnish and Swedish are both official languages, and if there are any subterranean cavern systems below the city, I was unable to locate their entrances. According to the saga, the Eurasian monarchies were established shortly after the Ice Age, stemming from one Arctic group of people that survived the Ice Age called the Aesir, which sounds similar to the gods of the principal pantheon in Norse religion. This population divided into three families, east, west, and south of the Baltic region, whose offspring became the core families of three major kingdoms, which were to become the royals and houses of nobility, all of whom traced their ancestry back to an all-father, recognized by them all as a common origin to their race. This could be interpreted as having a parallel to the biblical narrative in which Noah's offspring, after surviving a major deluge, divided the old world into three empires, represented by the offspring of his three sons. Where the saga is considerably different from the biblical text is that these descendants practice what anthropologists call an ancient fertility culture, including orgiastic sex rituals with emphasis on the consumption of bodily fluids. While many people are repulsed by some of the ritualistic behavior associated with fertility cults, it's an aspect of the saga that gives it some credibility because despite making some people uncomfortable, it's a real part of history that's not elaborated on much at a university level. And on the other hand, the dating associated with the Bach saga goes against all empirical evidence that I'm aware of, not only in terms of human archeology, span but genetics and the fossil record as well. So that said, mythology from ancient India does substantiate some of the claims about an ancient civilization once occupying the Arctic region prior to the Holocene. Even though Hindu nationalists, to a large degree, denounce any theories that speak to Aryan civilizations invading or migrating into India, the father of the Indian independence movement, Bal Gangadhar Tilak, who even appears on his own stamp, claimed that after the destruction of their original Arctic home, survivors roamed the northern parts of Europe and Asia in search of land suitable for new settlements, eventually migrating to India, and that the ancestors of India's ancient Vedic civilization once lived in the Arctic region. In 1903, Tilak wrote the book, The Arctic Home in the Vedas. In it, he argued that the Vedas could only have been composed in the Arctics, and the Aryan bards brought them south after the onset of the last ice age. Most linguists acknowledge that Sanskrit was introduced into India, part of an older Aryan root language, and archeologists agreed that the horse and chariot only shows up in India's fossil record with the arrival of the Aryans. Of course, the ethnic caste system in India, which is now banned, existed for thousands of years, and DNA testing also conclusively validates that the upper caste Aryans did not originate in India. Other elements of the Bach saga remain unverified, but are plausible. One example is the idea that the Roma people, 
who are commonly referred to as gypsies, originated in India. While the word gypsy comes from the word Egypt, the Bok Saga holds that they descended from an earlier population from Rajasthan that was forced to relocate to Egypt when the Aryans that introduced the Vedic culture and subsequent Brahmanism forced them out. The person who's currently most responsible for disseminating the Bok Saga history is Jim Chester, an American author who published a book on the subject and knew Eeyore Bok personally. Here's an excerpt of Mr. Chester in his own words. We come all this way over here to this place called Rajasthan, this most western state of India, or what we call India today, before called Hindustan. And the Hindustan was much bigger than it is today. It was Afghanistan, Pakistan, Rajasthan, Hindustan, Nepal, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Burma, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, Malaysia, all the way to Bali. This was all of the Hindustan before. Today it's much smaller than it is before. In this place where we sit here in this lovely little village called Pushkar. We sit next to one lake that has a very big history, this lake. In the Bok Saga, it has information of a history that we know a little bit about today, long before really recorded history. A long time ago, we made history was an oral day we write it down and today we give the history backwards we start from now who we were 50 years ago who we were 200 years ago 500 years ago we were like this a thousand kind of like this and by the time we get to three four thousand years ago we really are just guessing about what happened before Whereas in the Bok Saga, we don't start from now and go backwards. We start from the beginning of the history and we come to now. When you read a book, you don't start with the end of the book and read to the beginning. You read from the beginning to the end. So like this, the saga, it starts from the beginning of our history. And the men, we kept the history and the women, they made the future. So this is really part of his story. Today, much of our history is written by people didn't really tell the truth the way it should have been told heroes our books are full of people who wrote history to make themselves look good and to always give the terrible for the people who were there before there was one king line here in the hindustan 3,800 years ago and he lived in one palace in the middle of this lake in the pushkar and this Narkasur, he had sons, and his sons were called Maharajas. And in this system from before, the sons of the Maharajas were called Rajas. In the saga called Rabis, but in this Hindu system called Raja. And the Raja, his sons were called Kar. And Kar is like Pushkar, Kar is like Gokarna, Kar is like Karnataka. Many, many people here in India, they're surname their family name are called car balababakar takkar sudankar amunkar 
hard dick car. So car was the middle class of people, like in the saga, their car is the middle. And the sons of the car people were called many names, but they're the low caste people called Gati. And Gati are what we call the untouchables here in India. So the fathers of the Gati, of the untouchable, was called Kar. Every single time. And the fathers of the Kar were Spinel. called Rajas. The fathers of the Rajas were called Maharaja. And the father of the Maharajas was called Narkasur. And he was the king line from long, long time to 3,800 years ago. When there came one one man and one woman from Finland, that these article people, these blue eyes, this white skin, yellow hair, they come from Finland originally. The Finnish and the Russians are the original white people on the planet. It's quite obvious to go to Russia and to Finland and you see the highest concentration of white people anywhere on the ball today. The white people do not come from India. They do not come from Southern Europe. They come from the North. And in the saga, if one watches the story, it explains where these white people, where they come from. And 3,800 years ago, one of these more than 12 sons in this Bach family, his name was Krishna. And he came here to Hindustan with one woman called Radha, Krishna and Radha. And they bring the cow. And this cow that they bring is called one Brahma cow. It has one hump on the back. You can see them all over the Hindustan here. The Brahma cow. And this Krishna, he comes to this lake here 3,800 years ago. And he kills the Narkasur. He kills the king of Hindustan, who was a very, very good king. And this Krishna, he starts some new system. Before we had one system where we were breeding up. The Gati was breeding up to the Kar. The Kar was breeding up to the Raja. The Raja was breeding up to the Maharaja. And the Maharaja was going up to the Nargasur. But this white guy, he come here and he flip out here in the Hindustan. In the middle of these brown people, this article guy who bring this cow, he makes one class called Brahman class. Brahman, Brahma, which are the people who do the blah blah priest thing here in India today. And when he kills this Narkasur, when he kills this king, he writes in one book because this Krishna, he bring one first writing system to Hindustan before people spoke Hindi or Hindu. But he brings one language called Sanskrit. And San means true. S-A-N, San, and script means writing. It's a Western word. It doesn't come from India or it doesn't come from Hindustan at all. And this Krishna, he brings his first written language and he writes down the first written language in this part of the planet. These Asur had written language from the beginning. They had 29 sounds. Each sound has a sound, a mark, and a meaning. So the Sanskrit is not the most ancient language at all. It's one language brought here 3,800 years ago. He also writes one book called the Mahabharata. And this Mahabharata is one war story about him and his good friend Arjuna, how they made war against evil in Hindustan. And they killed this 
evil. And in the book and in this story, they say that they killed the Nargisur. The Hindu sun was pure. It was a glorious place. And all the evil was gone, according to their book. But anybody who's visited India today or Hindustan today, it's not so hard to see that it's full corruption. It's full of evil. So this Krishna and his friend Arjuna, they didn't wipe out the, the evil or the the corruption here in Hindustan. It still exists. He's one hero story. They even have a, temples for this Krishna. But this Krishna in our story, he was... Uh, not such a good guy he was really one on one ego trip and he started one system here called marriage before we didn't have one marriage system and in this marriage system we had this caste system where now you had to marry one woman and live with this one woman and she had to live with one man for the rest of their life and they couldn't marry up they couldn't breed up so this whole breeding system it all fell apart with this krishna the first marriage system where one man belongs to one woman and one woman belongs to one man until they die. This was not in the old system. We had a completely different system, I which I explained in the song. So this king, Nargisur, so living in one palace here in this married. beautiful lake 3,800 years ago. Because and there were these the people here that, that they were called Rajas. In front of God. And Raja, yeah. he lived in Rajasthan. And Rajasthan, Stan means center. The point, so this is the center. Like Afghanistan, Pakistan, Hindustan. So we're sitting in the Stan of the Raja. We're sitting in the center of the Rajas here in Rajasthan. And these Raja people, they didn't know what to do because now this Krishna, he come over here, one white guy came to this land of brown people with brown eyes, vegetarian. And he flip out and he makes this new written language called Sanskrit. He makes one marriage system where now we can't breed up in this system. And he writes one story about himself and all the glorious thing, how he wiped out all the evil all over this part of the planet. And these Raja people, they don't know what to do because now they can't stay here anymore because the Rajas had been the children makers before. They were the big, strong. And so they didn't know what to do, so they left from Rajasthan, these Rajas. And they went to a place called Egypt. And when they get to Egypt, they asked this Pharaoh, who's also from the lineage of the Bach family from years before, they asked this Pharaoh, can we live in your Egypt? And this Pharaoh says, yes, yes. This Krishna guy, he's flipping out over there in the Hindustan. And we don't know what to do. We can't stay there. So this Pharaoh says, yes, you can stay in the Egypt. But you have to stay over there. You cannot mix with my race of people. Because in the old days, we did not mix races of people. Today we mix races, but in the nature, the tuna fish goes with the tuna, the squirrel goes with the squirrel. We don't mix things. So a long time ago, the human being, we didn't mix races. So these Raja people, they stay there in this in, in this Egypt for for many years. And one day they find it not so nice to stay in the Egypt. So they ask for help from hell. And hell, as I explained in these other videos, hell is where Helsinki is today. 
and hell was the true holy land. It was the land at the top of the E where the hole is. And these Raja people sitting in Egypt, they want to go to the true holy land. And down comes one woman from this Bach family. And she takes them out from this Egypt. And as they say in the book, she's, she wanders through the desert for 40 years. I mean, it's a two-week walk from Tel Aviv to Alexandria. It's this far on the map. You can walk it in two weeks. 40 years she wanders with these people. It took 40 years to take and put this new book. She brings one new book. The first book on the planet. The first black letter on white paper. And this first book is called Torah book. And this Torah book is 3,300 years ago. And this Torah book it's this Hebrew story about how we all became from one God who made the sun and who made all everything in one day in seven days. It's the first of three religions. It's the oldest religion on the planet. Before we lived according to mythology. In mythology, you have gods and goddess. But in this new religion, they take the goddess and they throw her away and they only make this one male God who sits up there in the space who's pissed off at everybody all the time about this and that. And some of these people didn't go for this book. Some of these Raja people, they didn't go for this book. They understood about the sun and the moon. They couldn't understand that there could be somebody sitting up there on the star who made everything. And they didn't accept the book. And they left. And these ones who left these Raja people who left, they became what we call the gypsies today. They had lived in Egypt and now they become the gypsies. And they were the ones who didn't believe the Torah book. And these people had brought the sitar from India, from the Rajasthan. They brought the sitar and there they turned the sitar into the guitar. So the guitar is made by the gypsies a little over 3,000 years ago. I think that you can take a DNA test and you can see that the gypsies of Western Europe, the gypsies here are called the Cobra Gypsies. It's quite understood even if you look that the gypsy does come from India originally. visibility 
and identification was massively condemned and sanctioned with the most severe of punishments. One such heathen tradition was that of drinking the divine vine, or the water of wisdom, which literally refers to the female sap and the male emission. According to the saga, the pagan traditions were based on a naturalistic philosophy where it was regarded a virtue to save and not spill one's semen or female ejaculate. This could be done through techniques of tantra or by sharing the liquids, which the family saga calls sauna salmu. The Finnish expression for the sacred vines would be visodin vesi. The water of wisdom, which in other traditions are known under cryptic terms, such as the water of life, the seeds of life, the nectar of the gods, or the elixir of the blessed. In the early Christian context, these classical issues were mistranslated to blood and flesh, which some say was to stigmatize the pagan peoples as wild beasts vampires and cannibals paradoxically the church is still defining the flesh and blood of jesus as its most sacred right the communion even if the tools of the communion today are explained to be purely allegorical their origin are still to be explained according to the box saga this used to be a collective tradition to share each other's liquids as a special favor and sacrament to enhance their respective fertility, vitalize their neurological energy, and increase their spiritual vitality. That said, let's once again listen to Jim Chesner explain this concept in more detail in his own words. The sound tour in our story, the saga is based around eight powers. And these eight powers go hell, Bach, E, Uden, Ra, Tur, Pre, Rea. El Bach, E, Uden, Ra, Tur, Pre, Rea. The sixth power of the sex power is Tur. And every man has one Tur. And Tur actually means your best friend, but Tur is also your 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 ballack is your tour your dick is your tour is your hammer is your tour's hammer so every man he has his tour's hammer it's down here between his legs and that is what the tour is the woman she has something called cle tour re s clitorius cle means to scratch or tickle Leet, leet means light. We say light, leet, and leet also means little. They say in root language, leeten. Flee to scratch. Leet, light. Leet, little. Tour is her tour. She has a small tour that looks exactly like our tour, except it's smaller. And it's, it's, but it has the same skin the same head the same everything that we have it's just a little tour re means to do it again and again you restart you refinish 
you re relax. So you re means to do it again. And S in our story means son or student. So if the woman if she clee if she scratches her little tour of light, she can re the son clee tour yes. So the okay, it's um. You know, I'll say it right in front of everybody. I don't care. I don't have what he's saying. I do not have that. Now, I had an accident. Um, I was on a bike, and I ran into a tree. And uh, that really messed me up down there. So maybe that's what happened. Um, this know. is where this word comes really from. Young. This is where the root of what she has between her legs and the man, we have this tour, this tour's hammer between our legs. Cut off or something, I don't know. Now this, this, when a woman, when she comes with one climax, climax, we say, we say climax, but they go clima, And clima means clitor. If she's the ma, she has the cli, so a woman has climax, whereas a man, when we See, come, we have orgasm. Had that. Climax, had orgasm. So we both have but the same thing, but it's a different sound. So she has her sound for her coming, and oh, we have our sound for our coming. Once with a man, twice. To explain this, this ring that every boy was taught at age of seven, every boy was taught one yoga position. In Finnish, they call it asamo asano, asana. We call it the the immune system. But every boy was taught one yoga position where he would put his leg. Okay, it's buffering. It's so strange. And then I have this really behind his neck. Okay. And the, another sound for the sound uh, for your for your dick we call E. E is what we call I in English is a pole with a dot above it. And this is the masculine. And the little dot above the I is the sperm that comes out that makes our children. So it's a very masculine symbol. Whereas a ring, ooh is a ring is more of a female symbol. She's the ring and man, we're the pole or we're this. So every boy at the age of seven was taught to make one ring where he put his legs behind his head, he put his own prick in his own mouth and he drank from himself every day of his life. The E is the, is the prick itself and moon and root language moon moon means mouth so he put his e into his moon and it was the immune system or what we call the immune system the night that my mother my father made me was the biggest race of my life this night there were a million of these little eels these little fish This, this is not appropriate for children. 
And it's buffering again. It's buffering a lot today. We have bad weather here today. It came out from my father's balls. And it was the biggest race. It was a million all trying to get up into my mother. But I was number one. I won that race that night. Now, each of those little fish, each of those little eels, has a tail, a body, and a head. And if you've ever seen photos, or actually, there's actually films of the race, these little spermas, or these little sperms, each one has a brain, each one has consciousness. they can go this way, they can go that way, they can even turn around and come the way they, they came from. They can even st- stop and bite each other. So these little spermas, each one is one cell or one soul. So when one of these little fish goes into the female, into her egg, inside her egg is called the in energy in English or in Argi in root language but the soul is the sperm if one of these little fish goes in there's one person with one name one body with one soul if two of these little fish go in there's two people with two bodies with two different faces with two different souls if three of these little fish go in it's called triplets three different children, three different faces, three different souls. So each of these little sperms or spermas is one soul. You could take one orgasm for one guy, take a million of these little sperms, these little eels, and put them into a million different females and make a million children with one shot. So in our understanding of this, the eel, the sperma, each one is one soul. So we had one understanding before that we shouldn't throw our soul away. So we just took it back in a ring. It's called the ring of Uden. I've been making my ring. This is why my brain is as clear as it is because I have not been throwing my seed away as all my friends my age have. And they're all losing their brains. But my brain, it stays fresh. You know, my body is about to die. I don't have much time left in the, in the life. But my brain is still 100% because I don't throw my brain. When I take the sperm, I put it into my hand. And there I put it into my mouth. And there I swallow it. And now the sperma, we call it sperm in English, but it's actually sperma, beautiful sound, sperma. It goes, the sperma goes into my stomach. And now the sperma becomes plasma, from sperma to plasma. And plasma is what the sun is made out. And plasma is the red blood cell. The red blood cell is the plasma. Now, this energy inside this red blood, red, uh, red blood cell now goes to my brain cell. And my brain cell lives on the red blood cell. So now from my brain cell, it goes back down through the root rod or the chakra or the spine, and it goes back to my balls again in one white ring. Now every man has one stand. Your 
your your brick is your stand. Sometimes it's standing. A stand is like a lamp stand. So under my stand is my ball. So from under my stand, when it's standing, I'm wanking, I'm drinking, I'm thinking. My understanding for this story comes from under my stand when it's standing. This is my understanding of the story. Okay. It comes from my balls that are under my stand when it's standing. And this is this white ring of Odin. From sperma to plasma, plasma is the red blood cell. The red blood cell goes to the brain. The brain lives on the red blood cell. From the brain, it goes down the chakra system. The ra, because ra is in the sperm, it goes back to my balls, around and around and around. And I never lose it. And Crowley, he knew about this. Yeah, he he was he actually uh, he did. I think in one of his books he actually talks about this. So this is why I don't throw my sperm into the toilet because I don't want to throw these little fish away. If you throw them away and you throw them away and you throw them away and you throw them away, one day there's not many left and you can't remember your name anymore. The girls did a little bit different thing. They. They had something called more root. In English, we call it care root. You take care with the root. And so every girl at the age of seven, she was taught to take the skin from the carrot. It has two ends. It has a very big end and has a small end. With the small end, she could flee her tour. She could masturbate with this carrot with the small end. And if she wanted the deep thrust, she could turn the carrot around and put the big end and make the deep thrust because she can also get feeling from deep thrust or from just on the clitoris. And when she came with her climax, this climax would go on to the carrot. And now she would eat the carrot. So the girl had the same thing. She didn't throw hers away either. Uh, we respected that what, what comes out of the woman uh, in root language, they call it sob. Uh, in Finnish language, they call it mahala. In English, we call it sap. So the, it's the same thing as in the in the tree, the sap of the tree. It's the same thing that comes out from the woman from her climax. It's her, what you could call her essence, her sun sense, her essence. Whereas the sperma is more of the man's essence, because we get our sense from this stuff. Our, our yeah, like this. So it was. A, it was a both. It's every story that's for a man, and also in the saga, is a female story that goes with it, which makes it kind of unique because in the religions, they only have one male god, whereas this is called the Vainamona mythology. Before all people on this planet had mythologies, and in mythologies you have god and goddess. These three religions, they took the goddess away. It's only this one angry male god who sits up there some. You know, somewhere up in space, he's pissed off at everybody all the time. <laughs> if you look into if you look into Greek mythology, they have goddesses. The Roman mythology, they have goddesses. And the Hindu mythology, they have goddesses. And the Red Indian mythologies, they have goddesses. And the Aborigines mythologies, they have. So, goddess is something that was very important in the pagan times. 
when the church came along, we lost the goddess. There's a concept what they call the third eye. And if you're familiar with Hindu mythology, I mean, I've lived in India for 12, maybe 13 years of my life, so I'm pretty aware, uh, familiar with it. Uh, they have something they call the eye of Shiva. And many, many deities and stuff, they always put this, what they call one bendy or one dot in the middle between the eyes. And today, most people think that the third eye is up there between these two eyes in the forehead, they say. It's in the forehead. And they call it the, the, uh, the what do they call it? The, it's one of the chakras. It's the, Ooh, the, the Shiva the chakra. It's the, the head chakra. Yeah. According to us, a man has two heads. He has one on his shoulders, and he has another head bound between his legs. Has one on his shoulder. And the head that's down between your legs, the end of your, your dick, there is one head with a hat, with a helmet. And this head that hangs in four in front of your head is the forehead. So the forehead is not only just this place above between your eyes and the pineal, but it's also the head of your dick. If you look to the head of the dick, it has three parts. The top part is shaped like one apple with the stem taken out. This is the the forbidden fruit. Don't eat from the, the tree of life because the dick is the tree of life. From this, the sperm comes that creates the children, your family tree. So this eye, if you look to the top, at the end, I should say, the, the end of your dick, there is the third eye. It opens and closes, and when you have one orgasm, the eye opens and it spits, it spits the semen out. This is the, this is the, the dragon, the head of the dragon. This is the old symbol for the pagans. When you see dragons, the woman has a dragon. The dragon for her is with wings. If the dragon has no wings, it's masculine. But every man has one serpent. Every man has one dragon. Every man has one snake. This is your snake, your dragon. And this eye of the dragon is this third eye, is the eye that's in the end of your in the end of your dick. You see these snake statues everywhere. I mean, uh, Chichen Itza, I've been all over the pyramids there in uh, down towards the Yucatan, and they all have snakes. You see snake uh, symbols all over India. Uh, you see them in just about every mythology. You'll see snakes and dragons. So, yeah, when you see this one of, what's his name, the, the guy who's on the horse, uh, Saint somebody, uh, who's got the, the, his lance stuck through the dragon. What was his name? Uh, Saint George. Yeah. Saint George, uh, Saint George. What this was was a symbol of the Greek Orthodox that the snake represented the pagan system. And so now the church has come along and now they're killing this pagan system. Uh, this was basically what the Crusades, this is what uh, 
Yeah, that's another story. We can go to that, but I don't want to go off on that one yet because it's a really big one. But yes, that, yes, you'll see the snake uh, everywhere. It's uh, it's an ancient symbol. It's not any kind of negative thing. And uh, I would just like to say that uh, snakes can't talk. Supper. I'm an anthropologist. My published work is available on Amazon as well as through other major book outlets. They make a great gift. If you'd like to support my work, you can do that through patreon.com. There should be a link in the description section for those who are interested. I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much. Please hit the like button, subscribe for future updates. As always, I look forward to reading your comments, so please leave me your thoughts below. Please have a wonderful weekend. And I hope to see you again soon. Okay. So don't forget, we are... Um, can you guys see me? We are voting on the best. We're not going to do the worst. We're just going to do the best. Uh, podcast in the month. It's a long time, you know, but... Just... Get a piece of pencil, uh, paper and pencil, and keep it, you know, handy. Just keep jotting it down. And at the end of the month, you know, you'll have, um, you'll have your number one. So, okay. So we'll turn this off.